Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Hello and welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Yes, guess what? It's Christmas in July. What? You know how much I, I love and embrace and adore <laughs> the whole Christmas in July festivities, and I just I just eat them up like there's no tomorrow. Well, I am your Christmas pud right here uh, for July. That's what we're doing. It's uh, and 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 to with that in mind, we've got carols. Mm. Well, the nearest thing we can get is John Foreman. Well, um, that's pretty darn close. Because he is Carols by Candlelight. He's done it for that many years, it's not funny. And he's our guest this week. Uh, Australia's musical maestro. Now, his name obviously rings a bell. You probably remember him from the days of Bert Newton's Good Morning Australia. Oh, yeah. um, and he became, I mean, a, a really integral part of the uh, the show. But, oh, my, this this man is seriously talented. Like, composers, he writes, he plays. He's just a, he's got incredible talent. Producer can conductor, uh, pianist, musical mm. director and composer. And he's written some songs for this new musical that's just coming to an end now, the Melbourne run of it, uh, called uh, Cinderella, yeah. um, which is he's written some songs for that. And then, of course, he's got uh, the orchestra that he uh, yes. has put together, which is the, uh, the one that has got this fabulous show, these amazing uh, ladies that he's got uh, to perform. It's John Foreman's Aussie Pops Orchestra is what it's called, and they're doing the leading ladies with Caroline O'Connor, Sylvie Palladino, who could just Oh, she seriously. can sing the roof off. Oh. <laughs> and Casey Donovan, who's already oh. blown the roof off the place before Sylvie gets on What there. a trio yeah. they are, and John's good mates with all of them. So we'll talk to John about that. We'll talk about uh, his days with Bert Newton yes. on, on the set of that and a, and a whole lot. We'll more. also talk about his uh, pen, penchant oh, for uh, oh, oh, Sarah oh, oh. Lee chocolate cake. So I thought with that in mind we would put that in our uh, food poll for this week. I have spent decades researching <laughs> this food poll. Oh, have you? Decades. The well, Sarah Lee cheesecake or the Sarah Lee chocolate cake? Mm, it's hard, isn't it? That one. Hard yes. choice. Both popular, both popular in my uni days, I have to say. Decades but I make them myself now. In the making, and I'll have extensive <laughs> uh, Kevin Hillier research for you when the food poll comes oh, up. Oh, we'll be hanging out for that, Kevin. It's coming up after our guest this week, which is this very talented mm. musician and uh, musical man, John Foreman. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. John Foreman, welcome to our show. You are. Undoubtedly, Australia's favourite musical maestro. But this is a yeah. food show, so how do you shape up in the kitchen? Well, look, I—it's so a bit hard to rate oneself in that particular area. I've got a few dishes that I'm reasonably good at, but they're almost all stolen <laughs> um, from all those years working with Bert Newton on Good Morning <laughs> Australia. We had so many fabulous celebrity chefs who would come into that show, so. I learned a little bit from from those people over the years, um, you know, especially people like Elizabeth Chong, brilliant uh, chef who, you know, has Chinese background, a lot of Chinese influence in her food, but also, you know, would often do an East meets West kind of dish. Um, you know, she's probably the person I think of most. But of course, Gabrielle Gattay was a brilliant uh, contributor to Good Morning Australia as well. His... Uh, Dishes probably required a higher level of sophistication and skill than I was able to uh, to manage. So, look, I do my best. I do my best. 
John, let's just go back to the, to that time because that was something of a of a big uh, break in your career. I mean, you were a, you're a teenager, I believe, at the time when you you met Bert. You're still a teenager, of course. <laughs> I believe that was at the Twin Tower Services Club, and and things just took up from there. Tell us about yep. how that that relation formed and how you went on to become part of uh, Good Morning Australia. Well, yes, you're right. It was back in no, – I would have been probably 18 when I first met Bert and then 19 when I started on his television show. And, yeah, he was doing a show exactly as you set up at Twin Town Services Club at Tweed Heads just on the border of New South Wales and Queensland. And, um, you know, he was in between TV gigs at that particular time. And, you know, this is a fun little show with Bert and Patty and some other performers and um, the tour management company – that Bert was working with asked me to put together a little band for that, which I did, and I got to meet Bert. And, you know, I laughed at all of his jokes, which was a good start. <laughs> and then he started sort of, he and, he and Patty started putting me into their little comedy routines as part of this live show. Um, and I think he appreciated the fact that I appreciated his humour as well as the actual musical side of things. I think he could see. You know, and then when you, when you watch his show years later, or anyone watching Good Morning Australia would realise that he was very good at making the most of the personalities of everybody in the room, whether it was the camera operator or the floor manager, Belvedere, who everybody got yeah. to know over the years as the taste tester, or even the director who didn't appear on camera but, you know, would often be referred to. So I think... He could see how much I enjoyed working with him and his humour, and I think that was part of the reason why he offered me the job on Good Morning Australia, you know, a year or so later. And um, as I say, you know, from from the foodie point of view, it was really absolutely fantastic because, you know, Bert was a lover of, of good food. And, of course, the audience really was interested in the recipes that came through that show. Um, you know, the, the only time we... We ever really got viewer complaints was when Bert would, uh, you know, contribute too much comedy to the cooking segment, and the the instructions on how to complete the dish weren't as clear as the audience <laughs> might have liked. <laughs> I mean, I remember one occasion, for example, where you know this is the beauty of live television, where um, we were coming up out of a commercial break, and uh, the, you know the gas was, you know, it was just a gas cylinder under the, you know, in, in order to be able to move the, the, the kitchen around, there was a little, you know, one of those little portable gas cylinders under the, the kitchen bench. And for one reason, well, I think it had run out of gas, I don't know. So we came up out of a commercial break and, and you know, we tried, you know, Bert tried to get the, or the, sorry, the chef tried to get the gas going, nothing worked. And then Bert brought the stage manager on, brought the, you know, the, the uh, staging people on. And the segment was absolutely hilarious, but when we got to the end of the segment, you know, the fish was raw, the chef was bewildered, <laughs> the audience was thrilled and, and Bert threw to an avatorial for hair removal and that was that, you know. So, yeah. Just it was a normal day on the set, really. Yeah, exactly. It was good fun, that's for sure. Yeah, that unpredictability that uh, that he continued to do right throughout his career is uh, something that it must have thrown you at times, but it must have been fun to be part of it, uh, like being in the middle of a whirlwind, I would imagine. Yeah, that's right. You had to sort of expect the unexpected, and there was very little that was scripted on that show, and that made it, you know, that made it really fun. I mean, it, it made what otherwise, I mean, you know, at, at, at its sort of peak in terms of duration. I think it was a two and a half hour show every day. So that's a lot of content to fill. And yeah, without Bert's humour, I don't know whether anyone would have sat through it. So yeah, it was certainly lots of lots of fun. 
John, let's go back to the really early days, uh, childhood. Were you, is it something that you're, you're just born with uh, musical talent or, or interest? I know you threw yourself into everything that was available uh, during school days, such as, you know, orchestras and, and choirs and rock bands, etc., cetera, to, uh, to get experience. But, uh, but how did it all take off? Look, it's, it's hard to know. I reckon it's hard to know what is an innate sort of interest and or skill and what is learned. I mean, what I what I do know from my experience, I suppose, is that, you know, my, my dad and mum were really my first piano teachers, even though unofficially, but I remember sort of being four or five, something like that, and sitting up at the little upright piano that we had at home, and dad taught me how to play chopsticks, and he'd mm. play one hand and I'd play the other hand, and, you know, I can't even remember which bit I was doing, but I remember sort of, first of all, it was a fun opportunity to interact with dad and, and mum, and also... You know, it was sort of like a toy in a way. It was something I wanted to do. It was something I enjoyed doing. And then I started taking formal lessons when I was six. And I think, you know, looking back, that's probably not a bad age because, you know, people who grow up with um, parents speaking multiple languages tend to speak multiple languages fairly effortlessly. You know, they don't really have to think about it. Whereas if you try to learn as I did, you know, French or German by the time you get to high school, I can remember one or two phrases perhaps from that, but mm. not with the sort of innate skillfulness that a person who has grown up with, you know, say Spanish and English or Italian and English or whatever other combination where it, you, people can sort of flow efforts, effortlessly between the two languages. So I, I do think music is in some ways similar in as much as, the, you know, the earlier you you sort of sit at an instrument and understand how it works, the more naturally and effortlessly it flows from your brain, I think. So, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, an important part of musical development is to be exposed to to music um, at a young age and also exposed to the opportunity to participate in music making as well as just listening to it. Yeah, that's a, a really good point. I've got to ask you, I mean, you work with some of the great singers and you're about to do a terrific show with uh, three of the, the most fabulous female singers uh, this country's ever produced. What about uh, John Foreman, the singer? Is inside <laughs> you somewhere a little, a little rock star just bursting to get out, of, uh, out on stage and, you know, blast out a couple? Look, it's it's a very interesting uh, question uh, because, you know, I did have a period of time where I did fancy myself as a singer and I went and took some singing lessons and, look, I heard my voice back on something and I thought, look, uh, the world's probably got enough singers. My, my you know, my, my pitch isn't too bad, but I have a, a tonal quality that I don't particularly enjoy listening to myself. So if I don't enjoy, enjoy listening to it, I can't imagine why anyone else would want to. I, I can carry a tune and if I need to demonstrate a piece of music to someone, you know, if I'm, um, you know, trying to teach someone a melody or do a demo or something like that, I can have a little bit of a sing, but I don't think, Kevin, that I'd want to subject <laughs> the general public to it. <laughs> but I, I did. I did, to your point, I did sort of, um, fancy myself as a singer for about five minutes when I was, you know, when I just started on Burt's show, I thought, oh, this would be good. And then I just thought, mm, no, stick to your lane. <laughs> now, the show that Kevin's referring to and the, the three wonderful uh, women oh. who are who are taking part, Casey Donovan, Caroline O'Connor and uh, Sylvie Palladino, um, you know all of these women quite well, John. 
Yes, and as you say, they're all absolutely brilliant performers. I mean, Casey, I'll, I'll try and go in alphabetical order if I can remember <laughs> the alphabet. Casey Donovan, I met, of course, back in the Idol days, and she won, I think, the second series of that and was fantastic back then. But, you know, was more sort of in the pop rock sort of lane. Mm. And then I remember seeing her some years later in The Mummers and the Puppers was the first theatrical production I saw her in. I thought, wow, she has just really um, become such a fantastic, brilliant music theatre performer. And then, of course, anyone who saw her in Chicago or 9 to 5 or Anne Juliet would know that she's just absolutely brilliant as a music theatre person, as well as the pop rock stuff that she does. I mean, you know, she's great on New Year's Eve, on the ABC and all those other things that she does. But music theatre seems to have become a really important part of her life, and she's become a really important part of the music theatre world. And then, of course, Caroline O'Connor, such a brilliant performer who, you know, she was chosen to play the lead role in Chicago on Broadway. And the interesting thing is, you know, when you're casting for a Broadway show, those producers could call upon anyone in the world from the best of American or British or Australian or, or, you know, other performers from anywhere in the world. And they chose Caroline because of how great she is. And so absolutely thrilled that she's going to be in the show. And similarly for Sylvie Palladino, who of course your, your listeners would know from Carol's by Candlelight, as well as many other shows that she's done. She was chosen by the producers on the West End of London to be in Les Mis over there because of her incredible vocals. And again, producers in Les, in, in the West End of London can can pick anyone on the planet. And they said, right, Sylvie Palladino, you're the best. We're going to hire you for this role. And uh, so, yeah, those three women together will be an absolutely magical combination. And we're, we've got shows in Sydney and Melbourne. I think it's the 5th of August at Sydney Coliseum, which is a fantastic new venue out at uh, or newish venue out at uh, Rooty Hill there at West HQ. It's absolutely stunning venue. And then the following week at Hamer Hall in Melbourne on August 12th. So, yeah, I can't wait. Yep. It's obviously a big job for you. I mean, uh, it, it's uh, the, the the marriage of all the different uh, sorts of music that you're going to bring on that on that show, it's obviously a big job for, for you as musical conductor. Yeah, look, it, it is, but it's made easy by the, brilliant, the brilliance of the women. I mean, you know, they've got the songs that they – the songs that they have all done in their own careers, like, you know, for example, with Caroline, it's, you know, all that jazz and Broadway Baby and those sort of songs that she's done. And with Sylvie, it's I Dreamed a Dream, those lame is hits. And, um, you know, uh, for Casey, it's When You're Good to Mama. So, you know, from Chicago. So they're the songs that, that we know and love them for, but they're also going to do some songs that that they haven't done in shows before. So that's where, you know, there's a little bit of extra work in terms of putting together a new arrangement or a new orchestration for them. So, for example, Sylvie Palladino is going to do Defying Gravity from Wicked, which would be absolutely stunning. She's never been in that show, but she's so perfect at singing that song. And I think Caroline's going to sing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, which, again, is from a show that I don't think she's been in. So we're, you know, creating new orchestrations for those songs that, um, the women haven't sung before. Uh, you know, it's an opportunity for the audience to see the songs that they love from these particular artists, but also the songs that they love that these artists have never done before. So mm. that's that's going to be fun too. It's something to look forward to in August, and something that is uh, underway as we speak is is Midnight, the Cinderella musical. I've had several friends go to that. It's getting yep. rave reviews. You must be absolutely thrilled with the uh, the feedback on that so far. 
look, more more relieved than anything else. It's sort of, you know, it's one of those things when you're, so I've co-written this with Anthony Costanzo, who's a very, very talented uh, music writer, music composer, and Kate Miller-Heike has written a song for it as well. And of course, we all know she's brilliant, as well as uh, Dean Murphy and Pip Mushin, who've written the, the book, the script. And so, yeah, it's been great to see the audience reaction. I mean, you know, uh, yes, it's great to get terrific reviews. That's always very reassuring. We've had, yeah, great support from, you know, from the community in that regard, from the, you know, the theatre community. But I've also sort of chatted to people in the foyer, you know, during interval or after the show who've said they've booked tickets to come back for a second time. And, and you know, that's really great too because the the show is so new. I, in fact, I had one friend who came along to the preview and then came along to the opening night and commented on how much the show had improved in that time. And, you know, we're, we're constantly tweaking and improving Midnight as we go. So people who see it, you know, in the first week and then come back and see it in the third or fourth week will see, you know, it's pretty much the same show, but they'll see it's been tightened here and tweaked there and, you know, we're, we're trying out a few things to see what lands best with the audience. But the response has been fantastic. The idea of, um, you know, a Cinderella who's got a bit of a sense of humor. She's a fun and feisty character who's not sort of sitting back waiting to be rescued by a prince, but actually the prince has to prove his worth to her. And, you know, it's a nice little twist on it. And it's, a, it's yeah, it's been getting great reaction with the audience. And so, it's, yeah, it's a relief to sit in the audience and hear the jokes land and hear the, you know, the audience feel the emotions at the right time. Yeah, good stuff. Hey, uh, back in the kitchen, oh. is is coffee a, <laughs> uh, a major contributor to uh, your day? <laughs> Look, um, a few years ago, some friends bought me a fancy coffee machine for my birthday and that has changed my, um, you know, my interaction with coffee in a very positive way. So that's, it's, you know, become more of a, of a thing. I mean, luckily it's a fairly idiot proof machine. I just push buttons and it does what it needs to do, but I don't drink a lot of coffee compared to people who have the five or six cups a day, but I, you know, will usually have a cup or two of coffee a day. And, you know, I do enjoy, uh, you know, trying out different coffees if I'm out and about, um, you know, so I think it's, it's interesting how coffee is really, um, I don't want to say matured, but it's become more of a um, more of a thing, I reckon, over the last, I guess, 15, 20 years. You know, yeah. there was a time when you'd just turn up and you'd open up the international roast <laughs> and it would be, you know, one lump or two and milk or no milk. And that was kind of, I mean, I might be remembering it wrongly, but to me, that's sort of what I grew up with was a big, can of international roast and that was kind of it. Yep. So, you know, I, I think that, that Australia's um, appetite for interesting coffee, I mean, I also like the non-milk milks too, which again, years ago, I think baristas used to frown upon you, <laughs> but I think now it's all part of the fun to have an almond milk latte or a soy cappuccino <laughs> or a, you know, I, I've actually quite enjoyed recently coconut milk. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but coconut milk in coffee and you sort of feel like you're off on a bit of a tropical holiday and um, it has to be the right sort. It can't be the sort of coconut milk that you'd whack in a curry because that ruins the whole thing. But, but, you know, there there are coconut milks designed for coffees that I have quite enjoyed as well. Or a bit of an oat milk thing, that's that's good too. I don't know whether I've spent too much time on 
this particular answer. But, you know, it's an important part of the day, I think. I love your answer. And I think the idea of coconut milk in your coffee with a bit of slurp of, um, of rum would be quite nice as well. Oh, <laughs> now you're talking. Okay. <laughs> but you're so right, John, about your memories of the, uh, the international roast tin or the Maxwell House or, you know, the Pablo coffee, yep. um, which are, you know, I guess television stations and radio stations notorious for bad instant coffee. So I think yeah. your memories are, uh, are pretty bang on there. Now, from my point of view, and tell me if this is if this is is on the mark. Um, as a conductor, I would imagine that expends quite a bit of uh, energy and and is an exercise in itself. Are you able to, John, eat pretty much what you are like, or are you fairly disciplined about your uh, your diet? Well, look, I've had to when I was a. I'm sure a lot of your listeners would relate to this. As a younger person, I could sort of do what I liked in terms of food, and that was good. Um, but you know, I'm. 51 now, I think it was probably, I think it was actually 30-ish was when I noticed um, my metabolism start to change. Of course, that was more noticeable after the age of 40. So I, you know, yes, as a 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old, I could sit down and eat. Remember those Sarah Lee chocolate cakes with the icing? Oh, oh marvelous! Yeah. I, could, I could eat in. I'm not doing an editorial here, but I could. I don't work for them, but I could eat. You know, <laughs> I could eat in, an entire one of those in in one sitting. You know, as a sort of 19, 20 year old. Um, that of course has all changed. So I do try when I can to eat as healthily as I can and to be reasonably disciplined in terms of you know portion size and that sort of thing. Um, you know. I have, I guess in the last couple of years, tried to increase my vegetable intake like we're all supposed to do. Um, It's easier said than done, but I will try to do that and eat a bit more fish and, you know, eat a bit more healthy stuff. Um, So after conducting, I usually feel more sort of thirsty than anything else. And I I usually am a little bit hungry too after, you know, after a show. Um, But yes, I've tried to be, you know, moderate in terms of my approach to healthy things. I mean, it doesn't stop me having a, a dessert or, a, you know, an unhealthy item, but I'll try my best. What's your guilty pleasure? Oh, oh look, that's a good I mean, I do love a good piece of chocolate um, and I think that's, you know, or a dessert. I, you know, I'm a bit of a sweet tooth, so that's probably, you know, if, if you – placed a dessert item in front of me. I, I mean, the other thing is I, you know, if you leave things lying around, and I've, I've sort of read, you know, articles about this, that, you know, the, the, the eye and vision, vision is such an important driver for food. I think it might be an evolutionary thing that, you know, you if you see something that, that you should eat, then you'll, you know, when, when we were hunters and gatherers that you just go instinctively and eat that thing. So if there's an open packet of chips or if there's an open, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> You'll on, hunt and on, gather. <laughs> that's right, wherever it is. So that's probably a bit of a weakness as well. But, I, yeah, I'd say chocolate and sweet things are my weak spot, oh, my guilty pleasure. You've taken me right back with the description of the Sarah Lee chocolate cake. If oh, my yeah. memory serves me correctly, the icing on those things or the frosting, as we call it, was almost as thick as the cake itself. Yeah, and and you could sort of almost, if you had a sharpish knife, you could probably take, depending on how frozen the thing was, you could take the 
icing layer off and eat it as a meal in and of itself. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yep. <laughs> yes, you've, you've had well, you've had way too many of those. <laughs> so have I. As have I. <laughs> yes, but not for not for a while. But you know, I yeah, you know, I I hope I'm not sort of. Um, your listeners making them feel like they have to go out and buy one of those now. Oh, but that's yes, not they such are. a bad thing if they do that, I think. <laughs> um, we'd like, uh, yes. like to get a kitchen tip from our, our guests on the show. Have you got uh, something that you do in the kitchen that's uniquely uh, something that you do that makes it easier for you? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, you know, my, my auntie years ago put me onto the sort of sweet and savoury approach to uh, or to meat in particular, she would um, uh, you know mix honey and soy sauce and a bit of hot water together and uh, smear it over a um, you know say a leg of lamb or something like that before whacking it in the oven for whatever period of time you're going to whack it in there for, and you've got this beautiful. It's a very simple thing. Takes a few seconds. A beautiful caramelized. Um, you know the sweetness of the honey and the savouriness of the of the soy sauce, and it just you know elevates the um, ele- lamb in particular. It elevates that really quickly and easily without sort of too much effort. Oh. So I don't know whether that's uh, what you're looking for, but that's uh, you know that's superb. Uh, I love that. Very nice, yes. very nice indeed. So apart Excellent. apart from the Aussie <laughs> Pops Orchestra and uh, and Cinderella, what what's on the horizon? Uh, Heading towards the uh, the back end of 2023 for you, John. Well, look, I mean, hopefully Cinderella, Midnight, the musical will 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 get another run somewhere. Who knows? Then, sort of, I start to get into Christmas Carol mode towards the oh, end of the year. Um, that sort of starts a few months out from Christmas, and that'll be uh, you know a fun way to get towards uh, to get towards the end of the year. So. Uh, and of course, the Aussie Pops Orchestra has their New Year's Eve gala as well in Melbourne. For your Melbourne listeners, that's with Josh Pitterman, who you know has just gone over. He's another great Aussie who's doing great things internationally. He was Phantom of the Opera here in Australia at Sydney Opera House and at Hamer Hall. Sorry, at um, the Arts Centre in Melbourne. And he's he was also working over in London and has just gone back there in the lead role in Les Mis on the West End. So he's coming back for a New Year's Eve gala with the orchestra. So that's going to be very exciting. Wow. Uh, Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. We know you're a whiz uh, on stage, and uh, now we know you're a bit of a whiz in the kitchen as well. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you. Good on you, John. Thank you so much. No worries. All right. Should we try a recording one now? (laughs) That's a good practice. (laughs) You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Now, those shows, uh, just want to go through those dates uh, with uh, Carolyn O'Connor, Sylvie Palladino and Casey Donovan at the Sydney uh, Coliseum Theatre. Didn't know there was such a place. Uh, on the <laughs> 5th, like in Rome. On the 5th of August and the Arts Centre in Melbourne on the 12th of August at Hamer Hall and tickets are available now uh, through uh, uh, all the regular agencies where you, where you get your tickets. So yes. make sure you Glad support you call that. it Hamer Hall because I've heard people call it Hammer Hall and it's like, that's just not right. It's are named after our premier. Yes.
Oh, only Named people, after Dickie Hamer. I was going to say only people who weren't uh, in Victoria at the time. I yeah. didn't know anything about that. But. Wasn't John a wonderful guest? And I yeah, he's I meant, great. To, I meant to ask him just to be a little bit funny, you know. Uh, you know how George Foreman has his own grill. I thought, well, you know, oh, John could bring out his own geez. mark too, the John Foreman grill. Oh, I don't no, think so. maybe not. All right, let's get to the food poll. Yes. Uh, as I said, decades of research into this. Chocolate going up against cheese. Yes, the Sarah Lee. Now, you walk into yeah. your supermarket oh. and I've got some more, some updated research for you to, uh, to share after the food poll. Well, let's okay. see what the people said. Bart Shaw will start us off and he says the chocolate cake, please. Lisa Marie says cheesecake. Now, I need to make a trip to the supermarket to buy one of these and I need a Viennetta as well. Oh, that's good. That, that is a blast oh. from the past. Joylene says it is a cheesecake for her. Lena says chocolate cake. Silvana, chocolate cake for me. Sue says I've never tried the chocolate cake. What? Oh. And I love cheesecake, so I'm a yay for the cheesecake. Rebecca says says, as a kid, both of those were great until I learned to cook and then I could make both of them way better. Fair I'm enough. Sure. Glenn Rodder says, hmm, chocolate. Ah, yes, chocolate, Pato. Karen Young is going with the cheesecake. Kathy Vischer says, Steve Vischer, who's the producer of this particular <laughs> podcast, says cheesecake and I say chocolate cake. Oh, there you go. Uh, there's an intervention. Marriage made in heaven. There's a, well, it's a mixed marriage. <laughs> oh, no, you get a bit of each. It's a shocking mixed marriage. <laughs> cheesecake, chocolate cake. Uh, oh, dear me. It's like Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson at the piano. The counsellors are coming through uh, now. I don't know what I'm talking about. Rachel says both at different times. Deborah says, I'll have a piece of each. Thank you. Michelle says cheesecake. Joe says cheesecake. Hope says the chocolate cake because it's smooth, soft, velvety and it just melts on your taste buds. Lauren says cheesecake. <laughs> I said that in my seductive voice. Yeah, cheesecake. <laughs> and you said it in your bogan voice. Thank you. Uh, Jim Wilson. Jim oh, says, Jim. can you please add Sara Lee apple apricot danish yeah. straight out of the oven with blue ribbon? I'm taking it vanilla ice cream. Yeah. Jim, as always, you've um, given yourself an extra option and oh, that's fine. We accept it now. But a bloody good one. That's Oh, that does smell good. Oh, the we brought those up with the, uh, oh. the, the granulated uh, sugar oh, yeah, on the top and the yeah, um, yeah, the yeah, lattice yeah. design. Oh, my you, goodness, yes. You don't have to remind me. The apricot definitely over the apple. Alan says chocolate cake. I'd have to do a whole other food poll on that. Oh. Old Crokey says there is only one correct answer in this food poll and it is both. Okay. And okay. the doc, Joe Garris, says, look, neither, but if I'm forced to, I'll vote chocolate. Okay. Now, here's the voting. Oh. The voting is cheesecake 35%. Right. Chocolate cake, 35%. You're kidding. Both, 30%. (gasps) Wow. It's a draw. It is. Yeah, it was. Actually, it was split. It was almost a triple threat. I think different ones at different times. I think the um, chocolate cake lends itself to wintry days as a wintry dessert, and I think the cheesecake lends itself to more of a a summer entertaining occasion. Well, we have have four seasons in one day in Melbourne and in Victoria, so my suggestion is buy both. (laughs) Put them in the fridge and have them both uh, because I'm I'm with the 30% for both. But I did some extensive research into this. Oh, here we go. Now, uh, (laughs) the cheesecake is on special this week at Woolies for (laughs) (laughs) $6.80. 
It's at some Is of that the, a family size for $6.80? $6.80. Some of the other ones. And now, uh, having done expen- extensive research, you can now get all that many varieties mm. of the cheesecake and the chocolate cake with ganache on them, with, oh, yeah, with yeah. berries. With yes. not, oh, it's just it's mind-blowing. But $6.80 on special this week at Woolies, $8.50 elsewhere. And you can, oh. if you want to go to the top, <laughs> I told you I did research. You're a walking advertisement. Wait, wait till you look in our pantry. Uh, <laughs> our freezer may look a little different than it did about an hour and a half ago. Uh, and uh, you can get the uh, one with the cheesecake with the chocolate ganache on. That's $13 oh, at the moment. You have been uh, doing uh, serious Woolworths. research. I had no idea some of them had chocolate ganache. Don't worry about the research. Or that you could I've even been. say the word ganache. Don't, don't worry about the research I've been doing. Worry more about the buying I've been doing. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm in for a surprise, people. But yes. I don't mind the frosting on the uh, chocolate cakes. Oh, is um, next level. Sarah Lee frosting, can't beat it. I, I have to admit, as a bachelor in, <laughs> in my bachelor days in in radio, there would be three or four of those yeah, in the freezer. Yeah. And it, it, when you have a big night or, you know, you'd be looking for something, it just open the fridge and go, <laughs> They're good stuff. <laughs> Hello, Sarah Lee. They're just like your nana used to make, really. Oh, very, they actually are very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. Uh, it's a split decision, uh, so no winners there. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't forget, uh, John Foreman, those uh, terrific shows that are coming up uh, – with uh, those three very talented ladies. And, of course, he's already about to start, or just about to start, uh, production for Carol's for yep. 2023. Yep. And also the wonderful Cinderella, the musicals. Yeah, in its last days mm. at the moment. Uh, so uh, thank you very much uh, for listening. Hope you enjoyed this edition. Thanks to John Foreman for being on the show. Plenty more coming up on Food Bites. You're very inspiring. With Sarah Patterson and I Sarah Lee. <sighs> and Sarah Jane. I've lost my heart to Sarah Lee. <laughs> Bye-bye. You mean Jane? Lee. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips, and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.